Welcome to Gadgets for Families, the podcast for those that dread the phrase, I did something, please fix it. Yep, we've all been there. <laughs> yep. And, you know, anyone else wanting to get more out of life through their tech, I'm your host, Greg Cunningham. And I'm your host, Jay Benjamin. Thank you all for joining us for episode six. Wow, we're really plugging through them now, right, Greg? Episode six? I know, right? Yeah, Nice even it. number. Lots of work. This has been a blast. So, so uh, I'm recording in my trailer again. So, you know, last week when I recorded here, there was some background noise, trucks driving by, trains in the background. Again, I'll do my best to filter it out, but no promises. And, and Jason and I are trying to really get this main show down to an hour and the post show to 30 minutes. We have a ways to go. Um, we were just talking about how doing anything related to tech short and sweet and to the point is a challenge for us, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so, but what we'd like to do is maybe rush through a little bit more of the upfront stuff instead of rushing our main topic. So if you feel like we're rushing at the beginning today, that's part of the reason. So, but what we would love is that if you have feedback on how long the show should be, any topics we should cover, you know, any of that kind of stuff, go to www.mountainebooconsulting.com slash G4, the number four F feedback, and let us know, because we'd really like to know if you all are willing to sit with us for two hours and listen to us ramble on about tech, rock on. Yep, yep. And like I said before, you know, we're, we're seeing some growth, right? We, we, we're seeing our numbers go, go uh, up every week, and we really appreciate it. But I'm saying that because we still only have a small audience, right? So Right now, all of your feedback, all of your tips, all of your, your, your messages, everything that we get, it really matters to us right now, right? So, yeah, please, if you have any, any tips on, on the link or, or recommendations or anything you want to see, you guys just, just reach out to us and let us know. Yep. So today we're going to talk about watch and iPad OSs. So these are the things that came out of WWDC. We did our hot takes last week. We did iOS. So if you want to dive in on iOS, go back to last week's episode. But this week, it'll all be about the watch and the iPad. And then next week, I think it'll be our last WWDC post episode where we'll cover Mac and tvOS. So, but before we dive in, as Jason mentioned, right, share the show, go in and give it a review, um, hit that subscribe or follow button. But, you know, pick somebody in your uh, family group or friend group or somebody that you think would like this and just go hit the share button and send them the podcast. If everybody would do that just once a week to one person in their circle, we'd be able to get this podcast out to a lot more folks. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Jason, we had Father's Day over the weekend. We did. How was it? How was so, it? So, <laughs> to all of the fathers out there, happy belated Father's Day. I know we didn't we didn't really uh, uh cover anything about it last week, but yeah, was was it actual uh, an actual happy Father's Day? You know, I got yelled at a lot this weekend while I was out. Happy Father's Day, happy Father's Day. And I just, I'll admit, I wasn't in the mood to hear any of it, right? So the week leading up to it, my, my wife's truck, who I mentioned before, is back in the shop. Um, it, it was having some misfire issues with the new engine that we put in it. Well, it was a, it was a used engine. It wasn't like brand new, but... Uh, my uh, middle son, while he was cutting the yard for the weekend, he was edging with the uh, the weed eater around the uh, the porch, and a rock flew up and shattered the uh, the black the back glass. It was the outside portion, you know. It's a double pane, 
glass, but the outside portion is just shattered, uh, you know, costing me even more money. And then my oldest son on his trip in, you know, he went to Oklahoma for college and, and decided to stay on his trip in, ran into a little trouble and got his, his truck towed and, and impounded. So costing me even more money. So, <laughs> so I, I really wasn't having a happy Father's Day. But, you know, after I sat down and thought about it, like this is what dads do. This is what we signed up for. Right. You know, yep. we don't. We don't get any trophies or awards, and, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. So to answer the question, yes, it, it, it was a good Father's Day, right? I was, I was here. I, was, I had my sons with me, my, my daughter, my, my, my children with me, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a beautiful day here in town. Although it, hot, you know, although it was hot, it was, still, it was still a good Father's Day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not in any position to complain. Well, that's good. So, you know, we decided we've got some stuff going on and maybe I'll talk about it in the podcast at some point, but yeah, um, we decided to celebrate Father's Day at a later date with everything we have going on. So, oh, but yeah. sounds good, but I did do two things. So I needed something mindless and what's more mindless than zombies, right? So I picked back up <laughs> right. or re-downloaded on my iPad Plants vs. Zombies 2. So, if that sounds interesting, yep, it's just plants eating the zombies before they get to your brain. So, yeah. um, but I needed something mindless, but I w forgot how Plants vs. Zombies is one of those unique games, right? Where it was all hand drawn art. Mm -hmm. And it still looks gorgeous. So, anyway, I played that again, played it a lot. Because, um, again, I just needed something that I didn't have to think about and all that kind of stuff. But, on a more techie, geeky-related thing, have you heard of the tablets that are called Remarkable? No, no. What is, what is that? Is it just like a drawing pad or something? Yeah, so they, they advertise it as digital paper. And apparently okay. it's actually supposed to feel like you're writing on paper. Now, I didn't play with it here, but I thought, oh, you know what? That's really cool. It was uh, somebody that had to come into my mom's home and... Um, had it there and I picked it up and it's super thin. It's kind of like a cross between a Kindle and an iPad, but um, it's supposed to be all about writing or when you need to focus. Cause there's, you know, there's not a whole bunch of apps that you put on this, right? It basically has one purpose. And so yeah, I thought, you know, with a lot of the writing and stuff I do, that might be kind of cool, but here's the problem that I ran into. So I went and looked at it up. I looked it up and you got to buy the tablet and then the marker which is the stylus, right? Doesn't mm -hmm. come with it. I don't know why they wouldn't just put it in the box. <laughs> you know why. Yeah. So they, can so they can sell it to you. Yep. And then you get the case and you're, hit, you're at 579 bucks. Now the tablet's only like 279, right? Okay. So by the time you add on all that stuff, you're at 579 bucks and my iPad mini starts at $499. Yeah. So I got, I thought, okay, because I thought, you know, if this is a couple hundred bucks, I might grab it. But then I'm like, yeah, no, not at that price, because I get it that, um, you know, it's focused on a single thing, so you don't have to worry about getting distracted and all that kind of stuff. So, but with my mini, and this will be my tip for today, and then we can, you know, maybe get into yours. But my tip is, you know, turn off all the notifications if you need to focus, right? Yeah. Close all the apps. Turn off all the notifications because then I've got a device that's comparable in price but can do all of the things 
that yeah. you know that that remarkable tablet can do plus all of the other stuff. So, you know, I I would like to feel like I'm writing on paper cuz the iPad just doesn't feel that way. Um mm-hmm. and I wish notes would allow me to do some of the stuff that like freeform on the iPad or that that remarkable tablet would do like be able to type stuff and then go in and annotate what I typed. Cause you can't do that in notes. That would be ideal. I wish we had gotten that yes. at WWDC, but anyway, if you want just a pure writing device, something you can go in and just write on, um, and you don't really want to go into the iPad world, it might be something for somebody to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a pretty hefty price tag to, you know, uh, I, the, t- the tablet itself sounds reasonable. Um, yeah. that's, that stylus sounds really expensive. I'm wondering what kind of tech I'm going to check that out to see what kind of, uh, what kind of hardware comes into that thing to justify that price tag, right? That is more than the Apple Pencil, and we know what they put in that. Well, one thing I like, so there's two different versions of the marker, and I, of course, looked at the more expensive one, because on the more expensive one, you just flip the marker around and erase. Okay. So they've got a sensor in the other end, right, that says, okay, I need to erase whatever I just wrote. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, But yeah, anyway... That would be the thing. I think I want them to merge Freeform and Notes and yeah, make them yeah. into a single app. That would be really cool. Or at least have a uh, a note-like style or option, you know, that, that'll give you a Freeform page to, uh, to write and, you know, jot down stuff and doodle and, and, and do things like that. But still in Notes, you know, still keep the app separate, but just give you a Freeform page and maybe it still saves in Notes, but with the Freeform yeah. format. So, yeah, maybe a merger yeah, of the I'm- two. I mean, in notes, you can go in and draw and write and all that kind of stuff, but you can't go in and type a bunch of text yeah. and then go back and annotate it. And yeah, I, yeah. I like the blend of those two things in Freeform. So anyway, all right. So there's that. Um, just one current events item. And then, Jason, I really like the tip that you put in here for, um, for this week. So just a current event thing. A few weeks ago, we mentioned that there are way more people that switch from android to iphone versus the other way around well there's more data out and this was i think we were talking joking around about how parents and grandparents if you're in the android world you better get used to your teenagers wanting iphones because that's what they're going to want yeah well yeah 14 percent of new iphone buyers come from android so 14 percent of people that are getting their first iphone are switching over from android and it's only four percent that go the other direction yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. That means market share is going to continue to grow, especially here in the U.S. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I saw a report. I can't remember it to put it into the uh, into the notes. But, you know, part of it is, you know, Android buyers like those those cheaper phones. And, and I don't mean cheap offensively. I mean, those more cost effective phones. Right. If you're buying a phone for a 13, 14 year old um, spending $900 is out of the question for some folks, you know, even even if it's finance, even if it's paying monthly. So I think a part of that is one, the longer that Apple supporting these older devices, right? I know I know I'd ran and raved about the uh, iPhone 10 being dropped off of uh, of of uh, getting the updates. But, you know, we're stuck. We're talking several years of iPhones. So a lot of those iPhones are cheaper and, and, and readily available uh, either through like resale markets or, you know, just buying it from someone directly on like an offer up or Mercari kind of thing. And I think that these phones are, are just more available 
and you know still getting the latest updates and stuff and i think that's kind of driving um you know a, a lot of this growth that they're seeing right because uh, before we saw it the other way around everyone was running and getting you know the 30 dollar phone from from cricket or t-mobile or something and it was always these these lower end android phones so. yeah i also think apple's done a good job in kind of the refurb market too right so you can go out yes. and you can get a refurb iphone and even recently, they just upped the trade-in value of some of our, I'll say older, I don't know how old that would mean, but some of the older phones. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're definitely recognizing that. And then I think they're also recognizing it with their big push into like India, for example, that yes. they can't just sell these premium phones, that they're going to have to have some lower price options. And, you know, a refurb phone, Apple's great with refurb devices. Um, they basically go in, clean them out, and then they warranty them as if they were brand new. So if you've got a teenager, but you don't want to pay full price, I'd suggest looking into the refurb section on Apple's website. Yeah. Yeah. You still get a warranty and you still, it's still, uh, eligible for Apple care. So, which is something you won't get buying it, you know, directly from, from someone you. So yeah, that, that's always a good idea. I always check that refurb section when I'm looking for a new device first. And they never have the one that I want. So, <laughs> but I always check. Yep. All right, Jason. So you've got a tip in here that I find fascinating, especially where I have spent way more time this last week with tons of family around me than I anticipated. So talk to us, share your tip. Yeah. Yeah. So my tip this week is, is, um, uh, I've been seeing a lot of stories about loneliness on the rise in the U.S., right? It's, it's showing up in my feed, um, my news feed and things like that. So a lot of it is because I'm paying attention to it. But I also see it creeping in from from other sources that uh, um, that more and more uh, Americans are feeling lonely and isolated. Like now more than ever it's hitting record numbers to the point where the the um, uh, the health department has uh, declared it an actual public health crisis. Right. So. It, it sounds strange enough. We know people are, are you know, isolated and, and um, you know, it, it's it's more so in, in young Americans, right? And the teenagers and, and people under 30 from the news store that, that uh, uh, one of the news stores that I saw. And, and it's just it's astonishing to me that that so many young people are dealing with this. And, you know, without going into the reasons why. Right. Because social media is a big part of it. Right. People are yeah, isolated exactly. themselves by uh by you know viewing these these um i don't know what the word i'm looking uh for but you know they they kind of set these these uh false these expectations on themselves to live like these people who are curating and editing their lives to post a video and and uh but again like i said we're not going to go into all of that but so my tip this week is uh g4f right let Greg and I take care of great grandma uh, or uncle, uh, uncle John or, or whoever that's feeling lonely and, uh, uh, you know, grab their device or whatever and hit that share button and, and let us talk with them every week for at least an hour, an hour and a half. Or lately, these episodes have been running about two hours. Right, Greg? Right. But, uh, you know, let let us uh, take care of them in the background, you know, at least keep them company. So it sounds like I'm making light of the situation. I'm not. This is this is a real serious issue that that Americans are dealing with. And again, if they're issuing a public health crisis, then then this thing is is bigger numbers than than, um, 
you know, then, then we can, we, we comprehend, you know, then we realize. So, um, if you know somebody that's struggling with loneliness or, or isolation, you know, just reach out to them, right? We always talk about getting more out of your life through text. It's, it sounds kind of impersonal. It sounds kind of like, you know, oh, if I can't remember someone's birthday, then they're not important or whatever. No, it, it's not about that. Everyone, including kids these days, all the way down to elementary school, we all have so much going on now that it's, it's no, it, don't feel bad if you have to set a reminder to schedule time to call someone, you know, set a, a, a reminder in your reminder app or, or, you know, a calendar event or something like that. Set a meeting note to call someone back and say, hey, um, you know, you mentioned last week that, you know, you had a job interview or whatever. How did that go? How did that, you know, it's just jotting down a quick, uh, a quick note. You can, you can ask Siri to do it real, real simple and real easy. Just, you know, go to the side and say, hey, remind me next week to follow up with, with Jack about the, the job interview that he had or something like that. You know, set birthday reminders in your calendar. You know, you don't have to actually set a date. In their contact, it'll ask you what their what their birthday is. If you have them saved in a contact, it has a birthday calendar built in, right? And it just reminds you the day of, hey, so and so is uh, uh, turning, you know, or uh, uh, today is so and so's twenty third birthday or something like that, right? So, yeah, use some of these these tools that you have. Everyone carries a phone. Everyone, no one leaves the house without a phone or something like that. Put birthdays in there. Put quick notes about. Hey, so-and-so had a doctor's appointment, you know, follow up with them next week to see how their doctor's appointment went, you know. And again, I know it sounds impersonal, you know, we're from a generation where, you know, we 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 have to remember these things and, and all of that. But, you know, it's just with your busy life, you know, just just set a reminder just to follow up with someone. Just even if it's to ask them how they're doing a quick video FaceTime call or something like that, I think uh, would go a long way. So we included the. Uh, the uh, the health advisory from the uh, Department of Human Health in the uh, show notes. You guys take a look at that and uh, uh, just reach out to someone. You know, call your grandma, see how she's doing. Yeah. So a couple of things following up on this. One, the first time you text somebody and tell them happy birthday, it's then gonna pop up and say, hey, do you want us to add this birthday? Right. Right. I to their contact that. card. Yeah. So you don't even have to worry about it, right? I mean, it's just kind of automatic that it'll do it the first time you send them a birthday note, So, which is great. And then the second thing, I know Jason said gadgets for families. Um, let us talk to them. We'd love to. But think about this. I mean, all the time that they spend trolling social media, right? Mm -hmm. Scrolling through Facebook and all of the false news and stuff that can come through social media. Teach them about yeah. podcasts. I mean, if you've got yeah. a topic that you're interested in, there's a podcast about it. Right. right. I mean, right. everything you can think of. I mean, to me, it would be better to be listening to some of these podcasts than it would to just be sitting there and scrolling these Facebook feeds. So that's my so. opinion, but that's something you can do. And then lastly, so think about your old tech. If you've got, um, you know, an elderly relative that's in a care home or, something like that. Think about how great it would be to take your old phone, even if you don't put cellular on it, or to take your old iPad and set it up for them and show them how to use FaceTime. Yep. And say, hey, look, when we call you, we're going to do this, and you're just going to press this button here, and, and you're good to go, right? To be able to talk with them with video 
Um, that's not something that older generation is, is used to. I know my grandkids, for example, when we tell them they're going to talk to somebody on the phone and it's not a video call, they're looking at the phone like, where's the other person? Because <laughs> they're just yeah. defaulting to video. So, um, but yeah, think about your old tech, what you could hand off to some of these relatives and then how you could use video to connect because there's nothing like talking to someone if you're separated by distance using video versus, um, you know, just using social media as a way to find friends, for example. Guys, let that be a challenge for you, right? Um, working in IT, you should be um, making technology as easy as possible, right? We're supposed to be invisible to the, uh, to the user, right? It, they only complain when it's not working. So challenge yourself. Take that old piece of technology, uh, that old phone, that old tablet or whatever you have, and set it up to where it's as easy as possible for that, that person to use it. Right. We always talk about like the older generations and things like that. They just they don't have time. They don't have the patience for it. No, then that's a challenge for you. Right. Make that technology as easy as possible. So everything that they want is right there on the on the on the home page, right on that front screen. Make it to where they can do things in one or two taps and to be able to access the information or to make the calls and things that they want. Right. That's what I had to do for my mom's phone. All of the apps and things that she used the most that she needed to communicate with us, her Pandora, because she used to, she loved to listen to Pandora. Everything was right there on that front, front screen, right? They have folders and, and, and folder systems and separate pages and stuff to load in as many apps as you want. But if you think about it, you really only need that front page, right? So make it as easy as possible for them. But yeah, yeah, challenge yourself this week to, to get someone connected that wouldn't normally be connected. All right. Should we uh, dive into our main topics today, Jason? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. I see you, you had a lot down here for watchOS, and uh, I know that's your favorite device, but I really didn't need to add anything. You had everything that I liked <laughs> that I wanted to talk about. I mean, you're a power user too, so you're, you're going to go through all of the details. But yeah, I, I think I've only added one thing into this section, so let's jump into it. All right, well, let's start. First, let's start with which watches are going to get this, right? And it starts with yeah. Series 4. So they just barely stopped selling Series 3, like, late last year, which was ridiculous um, that that watch held on for so long. It was such a, not a bad device in its time, but to keep selling it. So Series 4 or later, you're going to mm -hmm. get, you know, Watch OS 10. Now, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get all the features because that kind of goes along with hardware. And, yeah. um, you know, Jason and I are both on the Ultra, so we're going to get everything that they've announced so far, which is great. But more to come. Uh, that I couldn't really find a whole bunch of details on which features wouldn't be on which watches. So, But we'll keep our eye out for that. But, Jason, the big news is the user interface design. So some people are calling it the biggest watch OS redesign since the watch came out. And... I mean, really, we both had the original Apple Watches. And other than the screen getting a little bit bigger, hasn't really mm -hmm. changed since then. No, no, not much. But, you know, so some, of the, some of the apps I'm seeing, though, like the, at least as far as the preview, they're, they're taking advantage of every, you know, millimeter of the screen. But, yeah, yeah, no major redesigns. Yeah, so this is it. And this is what gets me the most excited about watchOS. So let's just start with widgets. So 
you know, we have widgets on our iPhones, we have widgets on our iPads, and mm-hmm. now there's going to be widgets everywhere. Oh, but on the for Mac, yeah. yeah, yeah, now on the Mac, and we'll cover that next week. But now with widgets and smart stacks of widgets, so that's when you can actually take one widget and put it on top of another widget on top of another widget. And then it kind of rotates those. There's some machine learning and stuff in there. So, you know, if you don't have any appointments and you put a calendar widget on there, it's not going to show up. Those kinds, that's the theory behind all of that. But these widgets, so if I think about the way I use my Apple Watch, it's always about quick, glanceable, just get a piece of information and move on unless I'm doing a workout or something like that. Yeah. So have, have you seen these widgets, Jason? Yeah, yeah, I've seen some. and I, And I'm... I'm hoping it works as good as, you know, as, as they're showing. Um, I'm hoping I can get some good use out of it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, kind of down on it, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just hoping it, it works as good as it, it seems like it does in the, in the preview. Yeah. So, I mean, the way you're going to access these, it is going to change how we use our watches. So in order to get to these widgets, you're either going to swipe up from the bottom of the screen, which is how you get to control center right now, or you're going to scroll the digital crown and then your watch face is going to go up and then you're going to go into these widgets. And now, I mean, they've really put a lot of work and detail into these because the new widget's pretty simple. It's got a clock up in the upper right-hand corner. I can't remember what it had in the upper left-hand corner, but then it's got these widgets or cards down below it. Now, one cool thing that says Apple's really on board with this is the background of these widgets when you scroll up, the color and stuff will change based on the watch face that you're using. Okay. So that's a lot of attention to detail, right? That tells me that this is not just some, you know, fluky feature that Apple threw in as a gimmick that they actually went in and put some thought into it. Yeah. Yeah, it just wasn't like a like a copy and paste feature. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be able to edit the widgets like you can on the iPhone. You know, you tap and hold and it'll allow you to edit and move stuff around. And then you can pin widgets so that they're always at the top of your widget stuff. And so for me, what I think this is going to do is it's going to allow me to start using different watch faces instead of the two or three that I use right now. I use the ones that have the most complications because that gives me the most data or quick access to the most applications and one of the widgets that you're going to be able to put in here is a widget just filled with complications yeah which is kind of cool so in theory we could use the the portrait watch face or the new watch faces i'll talk about in a second that don't have a lot of complication spaces and a simple flick up and you've got all your complications there but it'll allow it to be a little more personal and a little more fun yeah yeah so i thought the same thing right this will give me to use more watch spaces especially the one with all of the complications when i when i need it right because now i'm really just using maybe three different watch spaces but a bunch of different colors right so i'm swiping through all of my different colors to match my band or my shirt or whatever but it's still really just my main three uh uh, watch spaces that i use so yeah i I thought the same maybe this will force me to use more you know watch uh face styles instead of just the uh just the modular and and my nike plus one and that's it right now swiping up used to get you into control center and now you're just gonna press the side button and that'll actually take you straight into uh, control center which has been redesigned so again it's still a simple action to get into the stuff where you can 
you know, ping your phone or turn off Wi-Fi or turn on the water, right? If you're yeah, going to shower with your watch on those or kinds. theater yep. mode. Yeah, that's one I use a ton, that theater mode one. Um, the other thing is, you mentioned this a little bit, that uh, they've shown most of the Apple apps. They're taking more advantage of this bigger screen. Because again, not just the Ultra got bigger, but these watches have started getting steadily bigger, a millimeter here, a millimeter there. And nothing really takes full advantage of this. And so they've redesigned all those apps, and they're putting little icons slash complications up in the corner of all these apps. So if I think about the activity app, for example, you used to have to scroll down. You could see your rings on the main screen and that was it. And then you had to flick down and scroll down to be able to see any of the details around there. Well, now there's little icons in the corners. So you can just tap and go straight into more information. So to me, that's a big deal because that means they're taking advantage of the real estate. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I said before, it just seemed like every time the screen got bigger, they just kind of sized up the, you know what I mean? Sized up the watch faces, sized up the font a little bit. But now they're actually actually using the space uh, uh, better instead of, uh, you know, just sizing up everything. So, yep, welcome change. And then this is, I don't know if this will come across well, but the other thing that is, is now the user interface feels more modern and more fun. So there's now color instead of everything was black and white right? Anytime you went mm -hmm. deep in, it was all black and white. And now there's color and there's images and there's better icons and better animations instead of all just having that old black with white text on top of it. And the reason they used to do that was all about battery life, right? Because yes. Yes. super, super teeny battery and black on these screens took zero battery. Yeah. So I think that's, they've got some battery improvements in there. And now that allows us to really have a more personal computer on our wrist rather than this one that's more like a, a Fitbit or something, right? When it comes to the user <laughs> interface that it's, you get what you get. So I'm super excited yeah. about that. And, you know, if you go look at some, any of the videos and stuff out there, you can see the comparison between watchOS 9 and watchOS 10, and it's just a night and day difference. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned earlier, you know, not really big UI changes in some of these apps, some of the native, uh, you know, the first party Apple apps or whatever, but maybe this is why, you know what I mean? They just, they, they, they tweaked it to make the experience better. You don't really need to change the, it's going to feel new anyway, I guess yeah. is, the, is the point I'm making, you know? Yeah. So I really think unless they announce some new killer feature that only works on the newest hardware for this year, Mm -hmm. This is going to make my Ultra feel like it's brand new again. Yep. And I'm going to yep. have a whole bunch to explore and all that kind of stuff. So I'm super excited about that. And then all of their apps, all of Apple's apps, they've shown that. They've all got a redesign. And this is going to enable developers to produce better yes. apps too. So big deal there. And then two new watch faces. One of them's kind of a color thing. I don't. I haven't really looked into that one because that's not me. but. I really like the concept of the Snoopy watch face and it makes me wish that they would open the watch up to third party watch faces because yep. the Snoopy watch is very interactive. Not that you interact with it, but that Snoopy and Woodstock interact with what's on the watch face. And so for example, you know, Snoopy throwing a piece of paper up and it bounces in between the arms on the clock. Yeah. You know, that's one little thing. <laughs> that was and pretty cool. 
But then I saw another one where if it's raining outside that it was Snoopy put his ear up over Woodstock so Woodstock wouldn't get wet. And um, yeah. and then also, I think this was kind of cool. Remember when we used to read the comics in the paper? Yeah. We'll remember that. I don't know how much of our audience will, but, yeah. you know, and the week, <laughs> they week, week, weekday comics were always black and white, right? Yep. And then the Sunday comics were all in color. So Those they've got this set one. to where the background changes on Sunday. So which is oh, kind of cool. Oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Yeah. That is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These younger generations, they know about it because they have a T-shirt with some kind of throwback comic strip on it. They don't know who the comic strip is, but they have a T-shirt with it. So. <laughs> now there are a couple of downsides I want to point out. We always want to do, you know, the good and the bad, but. No more swiping to switch between watch faces. So, Jason, all those colors that you yeah. have, you can't just swipe to switch. You have to actually tap and hold, go into the edit mode, and then swipe. So you can't just auto-swipe. And part of that's just because of the new way we're interacting with the watch. So Yeah, yeah, the new way to change. And I think I'm going to miss that. That's, that's one I hate to see go, but it's a trade-off, right? I want the new changes, so I'll, I'll deal with that. I'll just start using my phone again to... to uh, to switch my watch faces and all of that. So Yeah, or set up set up some sort of shortcuts or something like that. Yeah. And then the other one, Jason, do you ever use the night well, I don't think you use the Wayfinder face on the Ultra, do you? The new face no, that came exclusively that, with it. That is one of the uh the watch faces that I use, but I like the white version of it. White with the yeah. blue accents is the one I use. So I never use that I never use that night mode. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, um, the Ultra has a scene where you scroll the digital crown, and it takes all of the color and replaces the, the letters and numbers and all that kind of stuff with just a red and a black background, which is easier on the eyes if it's, if it's dark. And so um, you won't be able to just scroll the digital crown anymore because that's how you get to widgets. So you'll have to actually go in and edit the watch face and turn it on. But they include in an auto feature. So if you're using the Wayfinder face and it's dark, it's going to automatically go into dark mode. And you can turn that on or off. So I don't use it a ton. Um, I generally don't think it's a good idea to ride my mountain bike on trails when it's dark. Um, <laughs> right. Sounds like a recipe for disaster. But, you know, at least they're I giving you so. some options. I mean, for hikers and, and some of those kinds of things, it would be great. So. Yeah, yeah. I always liked the way it looked. It's just that the red watch face I use when I'm wearing red or have a red band, it's uh, it's it's a better looking <laughs> than the than the night mode. But yeah, I think some people will get some some use out of that. So the next one I have on the list here, Jason, and maybe you can, because I know you've got this down in the uh, iPad OS section, and it's also mm -hmm. an iOS. We've talked about that, but this mental health stuff. So. You know, do you want to talk to us just a little bit about the mental health features that are coming that go across kind of all the platforms? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, my wife asked me about, you know, like, why is this a big deal? And, you know, just like I mentioned, everyone loves to track their, their weight, right? Everyone loves to track their, you know, their blood glucose and, and things like that, their activity and all of that. This is just a... a a new way to get you to give you a more complete picture, right? So you'll be able to track things like how it'll have a prompt to ask you, like how are you feeling, and and um, um, you know, uh, are you upset or angry about anything and and stuff like that? And it's, and it's just 
a way to get a more complete picture of not just your physical health, but your mental health. And it seems like Apple is really making a big push towards mental health uh, uh, tracking and things like that. At least, you know, it seems that way from, you know, what we what came out of WWDC, right? So um, for the watch, at least, it'll, like I said, it'll have that little prompt and you can, you can actually put uh, input how you're feeling, right? If you're having a bad day or if you're having a stressful day and um, hopefully you will we'll be able to see trends, you know, with coming updates and things like that of, you know, you'll be able to see, well, it, I'm having a good day because I started the day with a workout, you know, my calories, uh, uh, I'm meeting my calorie, my stand goal, my, my, uh, activity, uh, uh, meter is up and I'm feeling good that day. Whereas on days that I don't meet those goals or I don't get my steps in, I didn't go for that walk. I'm, I'm more frustrated and things, uh, uh, you know, on days like that. So yeah, these, these, uh, Mental health features that that Apple's uh, announcing across all of these devices, right? Apple, uh, I mean, the iPad is getting the health app, so you'll be able to track that information there. Uh, the journal and and uh, uh, health features and stuff on the on the phone will give you a more complete picture on you know from iOS. And uh, yeah, the watch is just adding an extra way to be able to track that information. Yeah, I think if if I can go in and set and say, ask me every four hours how I'm yeah. doing today. Right. And if I could just go tap on my watch and input that and then that along with all of my activity information, my mm -hmm. heart rate, my, you know, all of that other stuff that I've done during the day gets pulled into my journal. At the end of the day, I could go in and say, wow, I feel like I had a really good day. And if I look back, I was doing good throughout the day mm -hmm. um, and be able to see that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that all of this stuff gets compiled into the journal. Um, but yes. I think it's a huge deal, especially, you know, my family's, most families, but my family's got a history of anxiety and depression and, you know, some mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. And um, I would like to know if I'm getting worse, right? If I'm yes. headed to where some other family members have been and be able to pick up, pick up on that before I'm too far down the path. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, everyone loves to track their weight, right? That's That's some of the most basic metrics that people track, right? Are their steps and their weight. This is just going to give you a more of a complete picture of your, of your health, your, your well-being, I should say, not just your physical and mental health, just your physical well-being. Um, yeah, this is just going to add to those metrics and I'm looking forward to seeing trends and, and uh, uh, things like that in the future. So yeah, I like it. Okay. So Jason, I'm going to try and do something new here. I'm going to do a speed round now. Okay. So I'm just going to fire off a few features that are left that we're not going to really dive into. Um, so we'll try this. We'll see how this is going to go. But So the first one on my speed round is hiking and biking updates. Now, the biggest thing here is that the Compass app, and it says the Compass app. It doesn't say this is Ultra only, but I wouldn't be surprised if we find out this is really only for the Ultra. But it says mm -hmm. the Compass app is going to know when you last had a cellular signal and when you last could make an SOS call. So that's a big deal, I think. If you're out hiking and get lost, you'd be able to put up, pull up the Compass app, and it'll guide you back to where you last had cell phone signal to get a call out. That would be really yeah. cool. I'm, I'm with you on this. It sounds like an ultra-only feature. Seems like it, but we'll see. Yep. I couldn't find anything, so we'll keep our eye on that one. Um, now we're also going to get topographical maps, so you can see if you're headed into a really steep section. Mm -hmm. Um, 
That's great. And then more trail information. And so, I mean, I use an app called Trail Forks that's got, you know, you can kind of see the distance and which way's uphill versus which way's downhill. So it looks yeah. like they're going to build some of this stuff straight into um, not just the watch, right, but also the maps and that kind of stuff. So there's that yeah. one. We talked about name drop last week, which we said was really cool, where you can just tap your phones together. Don't tap your phones together. Just get them closed. Don't shatter each other's yeah. screens. Let's not do that. <laughs> um, you'll be able to do that with the watch as well. So bring two watches together, and it'll share contact information. Yeah. Offline and I'm sure maps, a watch and a phone, too. Yeah. Right, I'll be able to tap I my would watch think so. to, the, to the phone. Yeah. Offline maps, which you talked about last week, but you're going to be able to have those on your watch as well is great yeah. if you uh, want to go out and do some hiking without your phone group facetime audio that. calls group facetime audio calls and viewing facetime video messages which is an ios 17 feature so you couldn't be on a group facetime call audio call on your watch until this new version comes out and then if somebody does leave you a facetime video message which i think is going to be really cool you'll actually be able to view it on your watch okay so i'm going to do a little bit of a side note here. One of the things that frustrates me about my watch is that I can't play audio that I choose through it, like my music. Mm -hmm. And I don't That's understand been a frustration that. from the start, from the first version. Yeah. Yep. yep. But I don't understand it because now you're going to be able to see video and the audio on a FaceTime video message. You can hear Siri talk back to you on the watch. So let me play my music back if I so choose. I know it's a horrible speaker. Yep. But maybe I just want to have that going. Anyway, so there's my sidebar, my bent. <laughs> no, no, one. I'm with you. I've, I've always wanted that too. And it's, it's not going to be something that I use all the time or a feature that I'm just going to be walking around just jamming out on my watch. But, man, there's been a, several situations where I'm like, hey, I want to hear some music. And my watch is right here on my wrist, but I can't do it. So yep. maybe I'm it's a battery you. life thing. Yeah. Uh, lockdown mode, which is an iPhone feature right now. So this is 99.99% of people won't care about this, but this is if you were, uh, let's say you're a reporter or, you know, something like that. And you're being targeted for, um, hacking and stuff like that to be able to lock down your phone. Well, now you'll be able to lock down your watch too. Um, I think you must've added this one contact poster on Apple watch. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like I said, most of the things that you had, I wanted to talk about, but this is one that that I'm really looking forward to too. Is I, I'm already excited about that contact poster. So now, when you get calls on your phone, you'll see that same poster, a smaller version of it. You know, it has to fit the uh, fit the screen, but it looks just as good on the watch as it looks on the phone. So, <laughs> I'm excited for it. Cool. All right, and then I'm going to put, I've got four links here that I'll put in the show notes. So if you guys want to go in and like see some of the video on the UX changes and that kind of stuff, we'll put those in the show notes. But yeah, I think that's it for watchOS. Anything else for you on watch? No, no, that was all. I think we covered everything that's, that's you know, really a big deal. But, um, you know, of course, if we missed anything or if that's something you guys want us to talk about, just shoot us a message. And I think what we'll do not next week, but starting after that, was we'll probably have like a post-show segment that's anything new that's come up as they release more betas and stuff like that. So you want to keep your eye out for that. And that's a good reminder to share out the podcast or, you know, share out our social media channels, follow us, all that kind of stuff. Start with your quote-unquote clients. Remember, we all have these clients. That's why we're the family IT person. But then maybe some of your colleagues want to dive in as well. So 
just a reminder to do that. And then, Jason, with that, I think we should dive into iPad OS and the first topic on here I know you are ridiculously passionate about. I am. I am. So th- there's some good changes to to multitasking on the iPad, right? So stage manager, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, stage manager and and the uh, uh just multitasking in general. So and I'll explain what I mean. So it's funny how simple tweaks to a feature, you know what I mean, can make it just that much more usable, right? I use stage manager. I'm using it now with my with my dual, you know, my dual screen setup and things like that, but um yeah, they just made it even better with just some simple tweaks. So let me just uh, go down the list real quick. So one of the main improvements to, uh, you know, the biggest improvements is being able to select the type of multitasking you want to do, right? So I use Stage Manager a lot, and, and that's the, uh, the way I multitask on the iPad, but they still have where you can select that old split view, split view and slide over. So these were the original, like, OG multitasking styles on the iPad, right? Uh, when they first announced the iPad, it was just the one screen, uh, iPad, iPad 2, uh, iPad Air 2, I believe. It was just you used the one app and that was it. Well, then when they started multitasking, uh, they gave you a split view. And that's side by side where you can put two apps on the screen and have them next to each other. And then you can slide in one app over. And it was usually like an iPad, I mean, sorry, an iPhone size uh, app window that you could slide over from the, uh, from the left or the right. Uh, so now you can choose that. You can choose Stage Manager. And uh, we'll talk about that more here in a moment. Or you can do no multitasking at all, right? You can turn everything off and just have that OG style one app on the screen at one time. And, uh, and that works for some people, right? We, we challenge you guys to get some of this old tech and make it as usable, as usable and as uh, user-friendly as possible for some of the older generations. Turning multitasking off may be a good idea for them, right? So there's that. and. Um, the uh, so I, I moved a lot to the post show, so we're gonna go into more details about it. So if you guys want to stick around and really talk about uh, stage manager and, and get into some of the details about it, you know, just hang out after the show. But uh, so just briefly, some changes they did to multi uh, to um, to stage manager. Now you'll be able to resize the apps to the uh, the way you want to the size you want, right? One of the things I would run into all the time is. I needed my browser in a big window. I needed my notes for the show in a second, you know, the the second size window. And then anything else that I had open on the screen, I just need a little box, right? A little notepad, <laughs> not notepad. What's the little post-it note size uh, a window right. for that app just to view or input the information or whatever task or things like that, that I didn't need Apple choosing the size of the window and the location of the window. So now I'll be able to resize and put those um, um, everywhere on the screen that I want. So I'm really looking forward to that. So, and again, we'll, we'll jump more into, to multitasking and, and uh, stage manager in the, in the post show, but, uh, there's some changes to the home screen and the lock screen too, that I wanted to cover. Right. And this, hey, Jason, Jason, uh-huh. before you go on with that. So here's the thing. So I don't use stage manager. I haven't yet, but I've okay. only got an iPad mini. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if the typical user is wanting to do content consumption, social media, you know, watch a movie, maybe do some email and have their messages, multitasking with split view and side over is perfect. 
right? Stage manager is probably yeah. overkill for that because you can always just pop your, you know, if you get a text message, you just slide it in over the top of the video you're watching, respond to the message and move on. So, yes. you know, if, if you're, if that's the way you're using your iPad, you don't need to worry about stage manager for the most part. Now, if you've got a giant 12.9 inch iPad pro and you're doing work on it, stick around for the post show because you're going to want to understand how stage manager works because you're starting to talk about more like a Mac environment where you can have several windows overlapping and be working in multiple programs at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're right. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but yeah, split blue, split, split view, <laughs> split view and, and slide over are still really good multitasking features, right? Especially for the smaller iPads. And like Greg says, you can, slide over that one app, do some quick inputs in it and slide it back over and, and continue to work on either your two apps that you have open side by side or the one app that you're focusing on. So yeah, still a really good multitasking feature. And uh, now you'll be able to select quickly in the uh, settings in between which app, you know, which multitasking style that you want to use. So, okay. Yeah. So now we can talk about the, uh, the home screen and the lock screen. and you know, this is not a huge update, right? Because we've been doing editing, uh, you know, our home screen styles and stuff on iOS 16 now for, you know, for a while. So this is just one of those things. And, and I remember going on a rant about how I used to hate how the iPad was always just getting iPhone features, iOS features, you know, a year or so later. And this seems like it's a bit of that, but it's not just getting those features. We're also getting all of those improvements and everything that iOS is getting right. So now you'll be able to uh, edit the uh, the wallpaper and the fonts on the lock screen from the lock screen, right? Just like the phone. Um, they're going to have more wallpaper options, more font options and things like that. More colors and all of that, too. That looked really good. Being able to add those different colors and, and some of the new wallpapers. Uh, I got tired last night, but uh, I was actually going to search for it because I want one of those new wallpapers on my iPad now. So I'm sure uh, 9 to 5 Mac or someone has a you know, repository where I can go and grab that and, and put it on. So widgets on the lock screen. So I know uh, you guys probably heard me and Greg, you know, get super excited about the uh, interactive lock. Uh, I mean, the interactive widgets. Right. So this one's going to be different. These are more just like a basic kind of general widget. Right. They're going to be located on the left side of the screen and it's just a stack. Right. These are not going to be where you can place them or, or move them around on the screen. Right. You get this stack of widgets on the left hand side of the screen when it's in portrait uh, uh, landscape mode. Right. When you have it in portrait mode, I believe it puts it in the center uh, underneath the clock. But you'll add different widgets there and it'll stay in that stack. So you can still add the ones you want, but you won't be able to move them around and, and all of that. And they stay in the order that you stack them in. So still really cool. I'm really excited about having widgets on the uh, lock screen. Uh, Jason, you, my understanding is, my underst yeah, my understanding is they've got, I don't know, we'll see, because again, I've got the mini, right? Yeah. But um, So screen real estate is at a premium. But my understanding is they also have a larger widget that they've made for the iPad too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they're not that little, that that little tiny like little strip or whatever they're yeah they they are actually bigger so they look really cool but um i know you said you're going to keep an eye on uh what is it widget smith yeah that, so uh, let let's just plug that right now right for all this stuff about w widgets so you've got widget smith which is for the mm -hmm. ipad and for the iphone and then you've got watch smith which basically 
is going to be the uh, the watch version. So yeah. keep your eye on those because with all of these changes, I heard a story that the developer was sitting in the keynote and he's the one that said, oh, they made a bigger widget. Yeah. And everybody <laughs> looked at him and, he, and said, how do you know that? But that's his life, right? That's all he yeah. does is widgets. And he's also going to build them. He wants to be on the Vision Pro day one too. So, Oh, yeah. Now that's going to be cool. He has his work cut out for him, but yeah. Yeah. So interactive widgets, th th these are going to be handled a little differently, right? So these are the widgets that will actually like feed you information and you can do inputs and things on those widgets themselves. And they're going to show up more like in a notification center. You know what I mean? In that area. I don't know if they're going to pop up like notifications, but um, they're going to sit there in that area and maybe like your notifications that come in, they'll stack on top of them and, and things like that. So they won't be in an actual widget stack. So these are will be like if you're tracking like your order on Uber Eats or if you have what I'm more excited for is uh, a widget where I can turn off and on lights uh, uh, around the uh, home, the smart home app. Or if you have um, like like anything that needs to show you information like meeting events or timers and things like that. Those are going to be separate from the uh, the widget stack, but still really cool. And you can access those on the uh, on the lock screen. So yeah, another I'm one. I'm gonna play with them. I'm gonna play with widgets for sure. Yeah. Uh, partially because eventually I'm gonna get a 12.9 inch iPad, so I want to know what I'm gonna do with them by the time I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're gonna get it. So I'm wondering if I didn't see anything about um, if the uh, live widgets are coming to the older iPads. And oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I jumped right into it. I was excited. We should have started out with who exactly is gonna get iPad OS 17, right? So the right. uh, sixth generation iPad, that's the uh, just the entry level iPad, the sixth generation or later. The iPad mini, you get the fifth generation or later. The iPad Air, the third generation or later, the 12.9 inch uh, iPad Pro, second generation or later. That's the one that started with the round camera, right? The well, the oval like camera all the way up until the, the, uh, the square, the boxy one. Yeah, I yeah. think that was yeah, I think it was 2018. Yeah, the 10.5 iPad uh, Pro, which is, I believe you have one, oh, right, Rick? Dustin had one. So, oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I'm, and I'm glad to see, because that's an older one, too. I'm glad to see that one's still on the list. I don't know if it's going to get all of the features. And, of course, the 11-inch uh, the uh, iPad Pro, the first generation or later. So a lot of good iPads, a lot of good, uh, you know, even some older, you know, the sixth-generation iPad and, and all of that, that's, it's good to see all of those older devices still getting the update, but I'm wondering if like the mini and stuff, are they going to get those, those interactive widgets? Well, we'll find out because I've got the mini, yeah. right? And we'll yep. just keep our eye on that as we go forward. I think at some point we'll just need to publish, hey, these are all the features for each OS and which device is getting them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, and I'm going to do like Greg, we're going to do just a rapid fire kind of speed round here. And Greg, just chime in if you want to, if you want to input anything. So live photos on the uh, lock screen. So I don't know if you remember those, uh, those kind of animated, uh, wallpapers that they had on the iPhone, really excited about that, but Apple never gave us anything new and they never improved that. So it's good to be able to have your live photos now back on the, uh, as a wallpaper option on the uh on the ipad i think that's going to be really cool so focus mode uh 
uh, specific wallpapers, right? So if you have a, a work focus mode versus a school focus mode and you want to have your apps and your widgets and stuff set, your wallpaper, you want to tone it down, you want to have pictures of your kids or your family and things like that. Now the, these wallpapers will, will switch depending on the, uh, the focus mode you're in. So I think a lot of people should, I think we should do a tip or, or uh, uh, just a quick uh, episode about that because I think a lot of people don't take advantage of focus modes and uh, being able to switch these widgets and these wallpapers and these styles uh, automatically. Um, I think a lot of people can get a, some use out of that. So we'll talk about that more. Um, one of the main things too that I was excited about and we'll move more details of this into the post show was uh, external camera support. <laughs> right this was something on my wish list that uh that i wanted now what i hadn't seen guys do is still use an external microphone and being able to input that audio into like garage band or something like that and use the external webcam which is what i'm uh, uh that's the use case that i want right that's what i want to use it for is to still be able to record in one app and have video in another app so uh, more to come on that we'll keep you guys updated so the the it's funny because the cameras that I saw demoed, none of them worked as good as the <laughs> none of them worked as good as the iPad camera that that's already built into the device. And, and as far as my opinion, you know, they say you can get a good 4K camera uh, as long as it's USB C and you should be able to use it, no drivers or anything like that. But uh, we'll see. But we'll talk about that more in the post show. Uh, the health app was another thing you and I both wish for uh, had on our wish list. So that's coming to the iPad along with all of the uh, the information and things, the uh, mental health stuff that we talked about earlier. All of that's coming to the iPad, so it won't be uh, left out of the game, uh, uh, you know, so to speak. Um, being able to mark up PDFs, right? And I thought it was just going in, you know, maybe I missed it. Maybe it was just so much excited. You know, we, we mentioned that that analogy about watching your kid at bat when you're keeping score at the uh at the baseball game, but I totally missed that. It's going to be able to recognize and autofill uh, some of the fields, just like it does in Safari on a PDF. So if you think about filling out like tax forms or um, just any kind of, uh, uh, you know, application or something that requires all of that basic information, like your name, your address, your street number, you know, things like that, your phone number, filling in that information automatically, man, that's, that's a big that's a big boost, you know, to, to productivity. Yeah. Right? When it comes Absolutely. to, uh, to PDFs. I mean, PDFs are boring, but yep. a lot of the world runs <laughs> on PDFs. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to, uh, to turn these around, right. Cause it, it's always a hassle. Well, it used to be, I, you know, I've gotten used to it and, you know, I consider myself a power user, but you know, someone would email my wife and be like, Hey, uh, fill out this application or fill out this PDF. It was always like a big deal trying to, you know, get it filled out, get a signature on it, get it to look nice and get it sent back to them in a format that they can read without it being converted to some older style of Adobe. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's like some yep. kind of weird, uh, unsupported yep. uh, uh, format and all this. So, yeah. Yeah. Big welcome change. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, another feature that that uh, I saw one of my one of my guys that I subscribed to that I totally missed was uh, being able to need face ID to access private tabs. Right. So. 
I don't think I can, I would use this feature as much because dad's iPad is private, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have the ultimate privacy tab. Don't pick up my iPad. Don't look at my iPad for anything. If you want, go grab my, go and grab my old MacBook or, or another device, but stay off of my iPad. Um, but I can see people getting some use out of this, right? Private tabs are, are a really big deal, right? I you remember when some of the browsers were, um, and, you know, I mean, desktop browsers and stuff, too. They were announcing privacy modes and privacy tabs as a big selling feature. Right. You know, now it's like, yeah. you know, putting power windows in a car. Now, you know, nobody's rolling up windows. Of course, you got to have a privacy mode. But this would this used to be a big deal. So uh, I'm assuming a lot of people are going to get a lot of use out of this. Yep. So to you artists out there, there's some changes in free form. Right. There are some new uh, some new pencils uh, or markers and um, some new uh, collaboration tools and stuff like that. So. All right. So I, I, I breeze through that. We're just over an hour. <laughs> well, I think I know you got to do some editing and stuff, too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think we nailed that. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. And so that's that's kind of our wrap up for today is that. The more we research this, the more we put down the things we want to talk about and share with you, the more excited we get about this, right? Yeah. I mean, both of us have phones, we have different iPads, but then we both have Apple Watches. And so I think we're all super excited about, um, about that kind of stuff. But I'm going to do our PSA that we do every single time. No matter how excited we are right now, we are not, I repeat, not installing the betas yet. So yeah, no matter yeah, how good this I, stuff I, seems to be, don't install the betas. Yeah, I, I put a note too. I forgot to mention that, that every video that I watched, as far as iPad OS, they were saying like, hey, it's surprisingly stable. It's really good right now. It's really good. You know, don't fall for that. It is stable no. right now. Things will break. Things yep. will break. We have a long road to go till, till September to the actual release. So don't fall for that. Oh, it's very stable. It's working very nice. And, and think that you're going to you know, get away with it. Nope. Things are going to no. break. I mean, I think they're expecting beta 2 this week. And what will happen is that they'll fix some of the stuff that was broken in the last one. And they'll break some stuff that was working in the last one. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't do it. I mean, especially on the phone. And for most people, right, their phone is their primary device. That that's the one device you can't have down. So don't do it. Just just don't do it. So, and you know, like we always say, too, especially with the watch, things change, right? They change fonts. They change menu sizes. They change uh, they change location. They change the wording on some, you know, some options and settings and stuff like that. So nothing is set. Nothing is set in stone. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it, Jason. Anything before I wrap us up? No, no, that was it, guys. Remember that challenge, though. Take some old tech, or not even necessarily giving them the old tech, but try to make someone's tech easier. You know, it, it, just, uh, you know, find, grab, your, grab your mom's phone or your, your, your uncle's phone or whatever and say, hey, I'm going to put all of these apps that you use right here on this front row. So it's, it will just be one tap away, right? Yeah. Use widgets. There's some widgets right now with, uh, as far as contacts go, if they have an iPhone, put all of your contacts in that one widget, that little bar, you get four on the phone, four, uh, uh, contacts across, set that up for someone yeah. that way they can just tap on your face and hit call or hit message. 
you know, help someone else get the most out of their life with their tech to use it better than they're using it today. So there's plenty of folks out there that need that. So, all right, just a reminder to subscribe, share, and rate the show. Also, we've been super busy with some other stuff. So our shorts publication has dropped off dramatically, but we hope to get back to more of those shorts either next week, but most likely after the 4th of July holiday. So, um, and just a very early programming note, we are not going to record a show during the 4th of July. We'll remind everybody next week when we record. But that 4th of July week, that's our recording day. We will not be recording. So um, keep that in mind and subscribe to the show. Go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. So when we get the shorts out there, we're good to go. And as always, we appreciate you listening. And with that, I'll say ciao. Jason, cool podcast closing. Come on, what is it? Cool podcast closing. <laughs> Live All right, everybody. Prosper. Thank you. Wait, you used that yeah. already. <laughs> I used that already. Okay, I'll just say ciao. All right. See you, everybody. <laughs> Bye. All right. Well, thanks for sticking around for us for the post show. Like we said, we want to get a little more geeky. And I think we've got some semi-geeky topics to go with here. And uh, we did a good job. We were just over an hour on the main show. I'm looking at our agenda for the post-show. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if we do 30 minutes or not, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, like we always say, you know, we're so passionate about this, right? You love the watch. I love uh, uh, iPad OS and you know, we can actually talk three or four hours about these topics or whatever. So even if we go 45 minutes, trust me, we're, we're trying to, that's, that's really toning it down, right? Yep. All right. So we'll start with watchOS again, and I'm going to start with the feature that I'm super excited about. Most people won't care. So this is optimized charging. So this is the concept that Apple does on your phone. They're basically saying that like on your phone, for example, they know when you take your phone off the charger. And so mm -hmm. they're going to charge your phone to 80% before that, but then they don't charge it up to 100% until right before you're ready to take it off the charger. And what that does is it preserves battery life because what you don't really want your phone sitting at 100% with that constant trickle charge going in. And so what I do with my Apple Watch, on the weekends, or at least on Sundays, for example, I don't take my Apple Watch out with a cellular for workout. So I don't need it to be fully, I don't need it to be fully um, charged, right? So I could do optimized charging then. But during the week when I'm working out, I need it to go 100% because cellular really drains the battery. So from what I understand, the watch is going to learn when you want it charged to full and when you only want it charged to 80%. Now, this is really good for the ultra I would probably argue that most of the other watches you want to charge to 100% all the time. But I'm super excited about this because I won't have to remember what I'm doing today and it should just learn and set me up. So super excited about that one. Yeah, yeah, I like this one. And, you know, <clears throat> you you would hear me rant back in the day, you know, back, back when we worked at Stewart. Why isn't battery technology keeping up with the way technology is moving, right? I would always say, like, we have these devices that we want to do more and, and have more and have on for longer, but we still get basically the same old batteries that we've had for years. Why, why aren't they progressing like hard drives? 
you know, yeah. one year, uh, uh, you know, a terabyte is, is the newest and greatest thing, but the next year, four terabytes is half the price. And then, you know what I mean? It, it, why doesn't it progress like, like, uh, uh, like, like storage space or something like that. And, um, I, I like these changes, right? If, if we have, if we're stuck with those same old batteries, then have the, uh, the technology, you know, improve the battery and the battery life and things like that. So, yeah, I like this. Uh, another update is on the home screen. Now, a lot of people don't really use the home screen on the watch, to be honest. But when you press the digital crown, it's going to take you to the home screen. And it's either like a honeycomb of icons or it's a list view. My wife turns on list view. That drives me nuts. But the honeycomb <laughs> view is not, not all that great either. But what they've done now is that instead of the honeycomb where you can go clear off to the side and clear up to the top and bottom, is now it's... Four icons, then three icons, then four icons, then three icons, and you just scroll up and down on them, which is great because you can tap and hold and move the icons. So I only use the home screen to get to maybe three or four apps. So you can just reorganize it and put all those at the top, and this shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, yeah. It, currently, the way I use it, and I switch back and forth between the grid and the, uh, the, uh, the list view. Uh, just depending on my mood, uh, you know, for, for that time. But I would take all of the most important apps or the apps that I use and put those in the center, right? That way when, you know, the grid view comes up, I can yep. just tap on those. So I think a lot of people can just reorganize their screen without having to scroll all the way, you know, to the left or to the right. Uh, just put things right there in the center of those rows and they'll be able to access that. So, yeah, it makes it more usable. I can see that. Uh, the weather app got like a major redesign, right? I mean, right now it's just text and all that kind of stuff, but now it looks more iPhone-like from a weather standpoint. Now, I don't know if it's raining, if they'll have, you know, rain animations on it yeah, and that kind animation. of stuff, but, but we'll see. But the colors are nice. There's more information available to you. You have more things that you can select to view, which is good because that's one of the things I pull up very often on my watch is I've got a complication and I tap it and then that gives me more detail on the weather um, because I'm always looking when am I going out for a bike ride or you know do I need to pull stuff in for, if I'm camping before a storm hits or something like that so uh, workouts if you if you start a workout on your watch it'll show up on your iPhone as a live activity that's really cool so if you're out biking and you mount your <clears throat> excuse me, you mount your phone on your handlebars, then you mm -hmm. won't have to always be looking at your watch. You'll just be able to see the workout showing up on your phone. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and most people too, like me, you know, when you're at the gym, you'll set that phone, you'll start, you, you know, your workout, you'll set your phone on the, uh, you know, the little ledge or whatever that they have on the machine that you're using. And uh, to be able to see that information there, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. Then skipping around a little bit, they just they also have new workout APIs for developers. So to be able to develop apps that'll help with your golf swing or you know those kinds of things. So they're opening up APIs for workouts that'll take advantage of all the sensors which are in the watch, which is really cool. Yeah, you know, does it seem like developers though are slow on the uh, on the Apple Watch side? You know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like the focus now is still like, let's get our app in iOS, let's get it on the iPhone, and then we'll deal with iPad or, or Apple Watch later. It still yeah, seems like I, that it, way to me. 
if I think about golf, for example, though, right, mm-hmm. you've got to have sensors on your hands. Yes. In order okay. to correct your swing. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what they do with this. Um, I mean, frankly, I can't think of any killer app that I'm missing on my watch right now. But, you know, maybe there will be something. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the home app redesign, since you're the big home automation person. Home app yeah, on the so, watch. So in its current state now, I'll admit, it, it's, it's pretty unusable. Not, not unusable, right? If that's, if that's all you had or had access to, you can control everything just fine. But yeah, with the, uh, with the new design, it, it's just going to make it easier to make those changes on the phone, right? I mean, not on the phone, on, on your watch. Now, it's just simpler to just ask Siri to do it, right? And, and that's, not, that's not always idea, especially if you're not in a, in a situation where you want to speak out loud or something like that. So, yeah, this is, it's, I, I think it's going to make it more comfortable to use, right? The, the, um, the icons, they look similar to how they look on the, on the iPhone, right? With the, the ones you use, they're bigger. You can t- just tap the button or kind of long press it or whatever to, um, to um, be able to like set the dimming, uh, um, the uh, intensity or whatever of the light. So I like it. I like it. I, th- I think this redesign is going to be a, a welcome change. Well, and maybe you'll get a widget where you can put your most frequently used home actions. So and that's, that's what I'm hoping. from your screen and tap, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping I'll be able to just use the widget and, instead of the home app. But still, even if, if you know, because you're not going to want to scroll through 50 widgets to, to make a change. So if there's a light or, or you know, a, a switch or something that I want to go into and, and play with a little more, change the colors or like the landscape lighting and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, with with the uh, the way things are going to be set up, I think it'll be easier to access that information. So, yeah. Uh, faster Mac unlocking as long as you put Sonoma on. I use this every day, and I get f- so frustrated when I sit down at my desk and it tells me that the signal between my Mac and my Apple Watch is too weak to unlock it, and it's like mm. literally my hand is sitting on the keyboard. So so. <laughs> So hopefully so this improves that. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. So I had my my older MacBook Air, you know, like I said, it was an older one, and unlocking it with the uh, with the watch always seemed to work smoothly. Always seemed to work. I never really had a problem. I didn't know that that was an issue. Yep. Okay, so yeah. they improved so that. Hopefully good. it'll work just as good. Yeah, yeah, just as good as it used to work. So maybe they changed like the security protocol or something like that. You know what I mean? That 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 made it a little more complicated. And then here's the ultra geeky one, and I'm trying to, I'm struggling to find a use case for this, but you can now put MDM profiles, so mobile device management profiles, on the watch to be able to configure things like VPN and a couple other things they mentioned. But I mean, you and I would love to have MDM Lite for our families, and we're used to MDMs, but I can't think of where I would have ever cared to put an MDM profile on a watch. So when you think about, and, and this is something we don't really pay much attention to, right? Since we don't, we don't do this professionally, this is a big deal, right? So, you know, you have your CEO, your exec of, of, of your company, and, and they have all of this sensitive information, right? Remember, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to mention names, but remember we had a certain CEO, uh, uh, you know, exec 
at, at one of the companies we worked at lose a phone and they had like ex-presidents and things right contact information oh yeah in their phone so and all of this is shared with the watch that's so fair. if you there want you that security and everything right the, the phone is locked down and secure they lose their phone at the airport or, or wherever they're at they give one of us a call we'll wipe it immediately right but all this information is still lingering on their watch or whatever and if they lose it or man in the middle attack or and you know there's not many not much of that right because apple's pretty secure i don't want to scare anyone but you know these guys they they're traveling and they they connect to a network that they're not familiar with and i've been seeing some really scary things with these with these spoof networks that you know people connect to the 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 check they think that hey i'm gonna save some data on my phone let me connect to this wi-fi and it's a guy sitting a few tables behind them so really alarming stuff so with all of this information still lingering on the watch it'll be good to be able to lock down that information too so yeah yeah we don't deal with it much now that makes sense yeah yeah. That makes sense. So I think if we were back at the at an organization where we were doing this, we would be recommending that if you've got the company information on your phone and have an associated mm-hmm. watch, that we're going to force the profile because we need to be able to wipe it simultaneous yeah. with the phone. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So it's yeah, that, that's a big deal. It's something we don't use. You know, we don't we don't have a need for it now. But yeah, I think this is a big deal. I think guys are really going to need this out there in the field. All right, well, let's move on to iPad OS. Yeah, yeah. So I really didn't look into this much, but I see you had the improvements to the uh, the uh, the files app, right? And, and and I always look forward to changes to that because it is really basic. Yeah. <laughs> As it but is. on this now, you should be able to see like how much space is available. You know, some of those kinds of things that you can do on any external drive in a normal file management situation that we haven't been able to do. That's what I saw from this. Yep. Yep. And then being able to rename those external drives, it's always good because now they always, they all pop up with all the same generic name. Now, uh, before it didn't matter, right? Cause you can only connect one at a time, but now you can connect the hub and connect three, you know, external drives a USB drive and, and, you know, maybe some kind of, uh, uh you know, other drive or, or something like that. And yeah, it's good to be able to name those to sort. So you know you're transferring pictures to one, you're transferring pictures to, you don't have to check each one to see, am I transferring this to the right drive? So yeah, yeah, I, I think being able to name it when you have multiple drives, uh, it, it makes sense. I use a, a network attached storage and it, it displays as the name of the storage drive. So uh, I don't really have a name, uh, a need for it, but uh, yeah, this is important, especially for photographers, right? Because you know, you run out of space on one, you got to quickly plug another one in and, and, you know, being able to distinguish the two is, is a good idea. So, uh, another one that you, you, you put was, uh, um, uh, being able to oh boy. use it as a oh Nintendo boy. switch screen. So <laughs> now I always wanted to use my iPad as an external display. As soon as that first generation 12.9, uh, display uh this 12.9 ipad came out right always wanted to have that as a, a separate display to my my work computer right my 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 desktop pc i wanted to be able to plug in my ipad and use that as a third or second or third monitor right but apple said nope <laughs> the 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 ipad is the uh the ip the output device and uh you know you're not going to use this as a as just a display you're not going to use our beautiful retina display 
as your cheap, you know, second display. But uh, now you'll be able to use a Nintendo Switch. You know, yeah, as, so uh, plug it in. I didn't dive into this too deep, but there is, uh, you've got to convert the video stream coming out of the Switch from the format it's in mm-hmm. into a different format. And apparently there's a dongle or something that'll do that. So I'll put the link right in our show yeah. notes. But this sounds super, super cool because, you know, I bought a, a dock to use in my trailer to play my Switch on the TV that's here. Okay. But it was garbage. So <laughs> it never really worked. I had to fiddle with it. And the actual Nintendo dock is so expensive, right? So yes. if I could just buy a little USB-C dongle that would convert this and I could put it on a 12.9-inch iPad, that would be pretty darn cool. So it was this, the dock that you bought was one of these, these portable uh, uh, yeah. docks that you know, we see all the time. Okay, okay. Yep. So it wasn't, yep. a, wasn't an actual one. So that makes sense. Nope. So yeah, uh, looking forward to that. And, and maybe you know, testing that dongle to see if other devices can work. You know, maybe you can uh, <laughs> you know, hook a uh, uh, PlayStation or something else to it. You know, if it supports those video formats, I'm sure that'll work too. But yeah, yeah, really cool, really cool. So let's talk about Stage Manager. Now, this changes the way you will work on your, on your iPad, right? And, and keep in mind, too, this is just for those, the M1 and M2 iPad. I, I believe there's a, uh, an iPad Air, right, with the M1 chip, I believe? I should know this. I should know this. And I'll, I'll, I'll double check that in a moment. But this is just going to be for a device that you have an M1 or M2 chip, right? So whether that's an iPad Pro or the uh, iPad Air. <clears throat> but resizing the windows, right? So you think about how you work on your, on your regular desktop, your company desktop, or your school laptop, right? You have 50 windows open and they're all different sizes and you can place them where you want on the, uh, on the desktop. And it makes you more productive, right? You'll be able to see the information in the uh, input fields and stuff that you want all in the screen that you want. So now you'll be able to do that on the iPad. Now, you can do that on iPad 16, iOS, iPad OS 16, but uh, it was pretty limited, right? They had some set sizes that you can only snap your window into this one grid, this one section. And if you drag another window on top of that one, it'll bounce everything over and just kind of make room. So now you'll have more control over that in iPad OS 17. You'll be able to resize the window all the way down to just a tiny widget-like square, right? Or you can open yeah. it all the way up. Like I like to have my browser all the way up. It takes up, you know, uh, two-thirds of the, uh, of the screen for just my browser window or half of the screen for just my notes window or something like that. And well, again, it's, it, it's one of those features that are, it seems like a really small tweak. But man, it makes everything just that much more usable, right? This is a really big deal for me. I'm I'm excited about it. Well, if I've heard right, because again, I haven't used it, but if I've heard right that like if you had two windows open on Stage Manager, it was going to basically resize them to consume the whole screen. And sometimes you don't want that, right? Sometimes you just want a super small window and another super small window and everything else left alone for whatever yeah. reason, right? And maybe you're going to pull something else in there. So... Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that Apple tends to do, and they usually get a little more liberal with it as time goes on, but they Mm -hmm. tend to think they know best when they release something, right? (laughs) You're going to use it the way we tell you to release it, 
Um, you know, I talked about this with the air tags, which thankfully they fixed, but let me be an adult and make my own decisions about what I do with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is what they did. They actually fixed it, right? They announced stage manager. It seemed really cool. You know, they added the dis the, the external display support and all of that. And, um, yeah, it, it just, they, they fixed it. And, and it's way more usable now. Well, not now, because iOS 17 doesn't come out. And I'm not running the beta, so don't, don't, don't let me tempt you. But uh, it will be more usable once we get our hands on iOS 17 than, than it is now in its current state. So really big deal. Really simple, simple uh, uh, improvements that, that makes a huge, uh, uh, you know, a, a huge update to a, uh, to a feature. So, yeah, Stage Manager, it's really cool. So the, you know, and Jason, uh, before you go on to the other one, here's the other. I just thought of this. If you're listening to this segment because you're geeky, right, and you always want to be able to do all of the stuffs, I'm not on Apple Silicon on my Mac, for example. And I've got the iPad Mini, which ha is not Apple Silicon either, I don't think. I think it's still mm -hmm. back on Intel. At some point, you're going to want to have Apple Silicon. Because yep. they're like when we talk about macOS Sonoma next week, there are features that any Mac that is Intel will not get. So if you're the geek, start thinking about that, right? And start thinking about this for all the folks you support too. About what is the pathway to eventually get them onto Apple Silicon? Because we're gonna reach a point. I don't think it's anytime soon, but eventually we're gonna reach a point where if you don't have Apple Silicon, you're gonna be pretty hamstrung doing things yeah yeah they're gonna they're gonna reserve all of those features you know and, and the same thing you know the devices the older devices they get less and less features anyway but pretty soon we're gonna reach a point where they're like hey this is only gonna work on on our processors that we make on on you know our hardware whether it has this chip or that chip so yeah yeah be, be thinking about upgrading So I mentioned earlier, just briefly, <clears throat> I mentioned the uh, external support for webcams, right? And that's, that's something that I, that I really wanted. But again, I hadn't seen anyone really use it. And this is just the first beta, right? And it's only been out for a couple of weeks. This is just the first beta. It seems to work fine now. But as they start adding in more functionality, that's when things break, right? So yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into seeing people really test whether or not We'll be able to, I'll be able to have a Zoom call, use my external camera, and then still record audio in GarageBand or, or vo voice memos or any other app or something like that um, to where I can still use my you know, external microphone, uh, USB-C microphone and a camera, but use them separately. Or is it going to force you to have to have to use the audio from the camera or you know, something, something different like that? You know? um, but still, just adding it is still a, a, a pretty good step, right, to making this device an actual, you know, um, pro device, right? We always talk about, uh, or you always hear, like, some of the guys we follow and, and we, uh, we listen to on YouTube or podcasts that, you know, they named it an iPad Pro, but it's not really a pro device yet. And uh, stage manager and external camera support and external, expanding the external device support all... Um, takes us to that direction of it being a truly, you know, pro device. 
So, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, interactive widgets on the uh, on the home screen. So I briefly mentioned it earlier just to differentiate the uh, the two uh, from the regular widgets, the lock screen widgets and the actual interactive uh, widgets. So just widgets in general we had on the iPad now uh, uh, for for some time. But with these interactive uh, uh, widgets, now we're going to be able to uh, to input and, and view information live on these uh, on these uh, device. I mean, on the on these new widgets. So I mentioned like uh, if you have an Uber Eats delivery coming. Uh, I we use, uh, I'm hoping like the Domino's, uh, pizza app, cause we order Domino's a lot. If it has an interactive widget, we'll be able to see right there live what step our order is in, right? How far the delivery driver is from you, uh, what time your, your bus arrives or your, your, your flight arrives or something like that. Um, all without having to open the app, right? You can just look at the, uh, look at the lock screen or your home screen and, uh, just blue view that information live. So. I'm looking forward to this because like we keep talking about the home app, you know, I'll be able to, instead of opening the home app, which I do on my iPad, you know, it's, it's really easy. Uh, it's in the control center now, but, uh, just be able to switch a switch or to turn on the, uh, the AC or something in the shop right from the home screen. And, you know, just tapping that, that, uh, widget, I, that, that is a really welcome change. I, I, I'm really looking forward to that. You, you, uh, is, you got any, I agree. Now this yeah. is a step this is a step towards not forcing us to make the iPhone our primary device. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I know you want that because you'd rather have it be your iPad. I'd rather do a ton of stuff on my watch, right? I'd rather have my iPhone sitting on a dock displaying information using standby mode, right? Mm -hmm. And let me do everything else on other devices if I choose to. Now, a lot of people only have an iPhone. That's fine, right? But this is starting to get us to the point where we can choose and have more flexibility in which things we do on which device. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah, yeah, always a good thing. It, it, it's, um, you know, we talked about, you know, using the, the home app on the watch now, and it's easier to just to get Siri to do it, or it's easier to just say, oh, I'm gonna just grab my phone and do it. Um, kind of balancing out, or, or improving these features on all the devices makes it so you can just use the device that you have in front of you and not say, wait, let me go and grab my phone to do that because it's easier. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I agree with you. It, it makes the screen you're in front of that much more useful or the device that you have with you. So uh, we mentioned the health uh, um, app coming over to, to iPadOS. So not much more on that. You know, we're not going to dive more, more on that. I think we, we talked about it enough. That's, uh, you know, that w along with the mental health stuff that's coming, it's just going to give you a complete picture of, you know, of your, your mental, physical well-being. So and you had some other stuff here, Greg, the, the docket. Yeah, let's let's docket. uh let's speed round these last three things. Let's talk about these two on the other stuff and just briefly on the headset. So, yeah, um, doc kit is something that they're going to allow integration with uh, mechanized stands. So for example, if you wanted to put your phone, iPhone on a stand that was mechanized, it could in theory follow you around a space. And so if I think about using continuity camera, which we'll talk about next week on tvOS mm -hmm. and being able to do a conference call, you know, with all my kids in my living room and having a 
you know, if I wanted it to automatically move to whoever was speaking because we've got a big sectional couch, right? Something yeah. cool like that. So I thought that was good. And, you know, that's catering to more professional audiences. Too. Yeah, yeah, conference rooms and things like that. Yep, yep. And then I just thought this was interesting. The Dynamic Island, which was the major feature for the iPhone 14 Pro last year, right? And rumor mm -hmm. has it, that the regular iPhone 15s are going to get it this year, they didn't talk about it at all. So are they not seeing it adopted? Or are they holding it for the September event when they announce the phone and there's going to be new stuff on it? I don't know. Um, I mean, you've got the Dynamic Island. I want the Dynamic Island because it seems mm -hmm. like it'd be really cool. Um, but they didn't mention it at all. So I guess we'll see, right? Yeah, yeah, they didn't. And, you know, I was hoping that we were going to see more on, this, on, on the Dynamic Island, right? It is a really cool thing, but my worry was, are they just doing this just to hide that camera and, the, and that, you know, and that little speaker? Like, are they just doing something because people complained about the notch or, you know, the, that, that notch that they had uh, that, that housed the, uh, the camera and the sensor and the, uh, the, the uh, speaker? Um, yeah, when I didn't hear any updates or any improvements to it or anything like that, I'm like, uh, hopefully this is not just going to be a forgotten, uh, a forgotten feature. Like, you know, because Apple does that, right? I can't think of any anything in, in uh, particular right now off the top of my head, but they'll introduce a new feature. They'll talk it up, make it seem like it's wonderful, and then the next generation of the device just doesn't have that feature. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Hoping that, that we do hear more from that later this year when, when they announce new hardware. Yeah, me too. Okay, so and then just finally, just to go back to the Vision Pro headset. So um, I'm sticking for still wanting it for work, right? So nothing's changed about that. I mentioned that I want it as my virtual workspace to do all my work and all that kind of stuff. And I've not changed my opinion about wanting to be an early adopter. So how about you? Yeah, yeah, the same here. You know, a lot of the videos that I, I watch, again, I, I try to watch both sides. I see a lot of the hate. And, you know, it's just not for you. It's just not for you. This is going to be for professionals. This is not the device that Apple wants everyone to get their hands on and play with, right? Otherwise, it'll be $700. So, you know, whatever a, a regular headset would be. They can make that, right? They, they know how much technology, what the pricing, you know, Tim Cook's master of the supply chain. He knows what what <laughs> technology to put to get the price range to where everyone would want it. This is not that device. This is going to be for people making an income, right? They're developing an app. Um, they need it for work or whatever. They have specific use cases for it. So, you know, stop complaining about the price. <laughs> you know, they priced everyone out for a reason. Right. So, now, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I still want to be an early adopter too. Now, the good news is, for those of you that it's priced out of, and frankly, it's too expensive for me, but I'm going to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, um, it Mark, is. Mark Gurman is reporting that the target for a more affortable version is 2025. So, you know, okay, a, year of, see that. a year of usage with this pro-level stuff, and then you get the Vision. Not the Vision Pro, but the Vision. And so a couple of things will happen over the course of that year, right? The tech that they're using will go down in price. They'll get better at manufacturing it. You know, all of that kind of stuff. But then my other thoughts are, 
you know, they've got a gazillion cameras, a gazillion sensors, um, mm-hmm. so they could reduce the number that of front cameras. front-facing screen. Right, right. The screen on the outside. Yep. Now, he did report that that front-facing screen is non-negotiable. So that'll be interesting to see if they would pull that out for a cheaper one. But less cameras, less sensors, but they'll also have a better understanding after a year of what sensors and tech in there is actually getting used and yes. then be able to reduce it down. Now, are they going to go from $3,500 down to 500 No. Right? I mean, yeah. that's just not Apple. So it's still going to be pricey, but if they could get it down to the 1500 or so, like the MetaPress, MetaQuest Pro, maybe that works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, $1,000, $1,200 range, I think, would make it more to where people, you know, tech dads and, and folks like us would want one in a home even if they don't get any use out of it. Right. Right. So th- they know what they're doing with this $3,500 price. So stop complaining about it. Catch the next version. Now, I did want to ask, was that German's speculation or was that an, an insider tip that he got that that's Apple, Apple's actually targeting 2025 for? Uh, I'll put the link in. I'll put the link in, but I think, okay. I mean, it's hard to tell with German. Right, whether he's got yeah. a source or whether he's speculating. So I just kind of assume with him that he's got sources telling him stuff. Oh, I know he has sources, but yeah. I think Gurman plays the game the right way. Right, he yeah. knows what information to leak out. Otherwise, he's going to burn his source. Yeah. Right. So I think he he's he's pretty uh he's pretty selective about even though he knows what's coming and what's exactly coming and how it's going to look and what features. I think he knows better than to uh, to put it out there. Yeah. Right? So I also personally believe, and I have no evidence to support this, so this is just me talking, that he probably gets stuff to leak on purpose. Yes, I, I think so too. Same, you know, Renee Ritchie was was the same way because he was the go-to guy at, at one point, and and uh, a few of the other ones. Yeah, I think those are control leaks that uh that are directly from Apple. Yeah. So this is great, right? I mean, I won't. I'll probably always want the high end, but maybe not, right? We'll see where it goes. But I also don't want to be stuck having to spend $3,500 every two years on a new headset. So it'd be nice if I had some choice. And also, I don't want ours to be outdated, right? If if we're going to, you know, go all in at $3,500 next year, then 2025, I don't want that device to be outdated already or the next version comes out has better sensors than the one that we, that we had and all of that. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a trade off and I know I'm going to try to my best to talk my way out of it, <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this technology. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, maybe we can maybe develop something. We can, we can get together and try to justify, <laughs> right. you yep. know, kind of, kind of making some money off of it. So. All right, I think that's it. Anything else for you on the post show? No, no, that was all, guys. Thanks for sticking around. All right, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week, and go from there. Next week, macOS Sonoma and tvOS and some other stuff. Yep, and hopefully some more shorts. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great week, guys. Thank you.